What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. You know, there's some times in life where we just don't know what to do. We don't have an answer. We can't see the next step. We don't know the next step. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to trust God in leadership. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you. It's we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, today we get to sit down with the CEO of Pine Cove Camps, Reed Livesay. We're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about leadership. And we're going to talk about trusting God when you literally can't see the next step. To go from 40,000 campers to a summer when we're in a pandemic and you don't see the next turn, Reed's story is going to resonate with you. Reed has a great business background, spent years with Arthur Anderson, but man, God brought him in the camping world with Pine Cove as executive VP and then moved into the presidency in 2017. And his journey is going to inspire you. He's married to his high school sweetheart. They have two beautiful children, but his story, not just of being a college football quarterback, not just of the journey in the business world, but of finding God along the way and just knowing what to do and when to do it. You're in for a treat. So I don't know where you're listening from today, but I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen into my conversation with the Pine Cove president and CEO, Reed Livesay. Well, Reed, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you. Hey, man, thank you for having me. Mike, it's great to be here with you and uh, look forward to this conversation. Yeah, I was just telling you before we went on air, I got my first exposure to Pine Cove last summer. 40,000 campers across the country. Physical, what, 11 physical camps? Is that right? 12. 12 now. 12 <laughs> physical camps. Just opened up Springs in Georgia. That's right. Which That's well, I'll hit on that here in a second. Yeah. Man, you guys, and then you have 90 churches in 11 states that are participating yeah. in the Pine Cove City Camps. Did you ever dream you would be doing something like what you're doing for a job? No, I don't think it was ever my uh, aspiration to come in and, and be a CEO of a, a large, I guess, uh, one of the larger camping operations in the country at this point with with the campers you mentioned and over 2,000 college staff and and uh, a lot of great, wonderful full-time staff. But, um, you know, I've never really looked for, like, or had this goal of reaching this thing, just kind of hopefully serve faithfully where I was and, and looked at opportunities the Lord's put in front of uh, uh, the Lucey family. You know, what I love is the story that you come into this with. And I want to backtrack a little bit. We <laughs> we use a phrase on here all the time. God never wastes our time and he never wastes our experiences. Yeah. You grew up in a home with a dad that was a pastor. I did. How did 
your dad doing what he did and the faithfulness of your mom. I know she worked with the ladies there at your church a lot too. How was their faithfulness and dependability doing what they did? How did that play into who you are as a leader today? Well, I think I saw, uh, number one, uh, my dad and mom, when you lead a church, uh, they started a church in North, Northwest Bible in, uh, in Houston, Texas. And, um, when they did that, uh, you, you just see them walk through, I mean, you know, you have all the devotionals around your table and people, um, you know, my dad's always kind of depressed when I say this, but I don't really remember any of the devotionals we did as a family, but man, do I remember seeing them, uh, work through tough things and how they did that, uh, I think really impacted me, uh, how they sought the Lord, how they went through tough things and, um, you know, didn't engage in the peripheral, but really uh, just uh, were steadfast in it as a couple. Saw them work through conflict mm. uh, together, which you see a lot. And I know there's coaches on this ministry. Uh, you just give a lot of extra out there. And there's the time that is given that nobody truly understands that doesn't seem valued. And to see them work together on those things, I think really set me up and expectations up well, uh, stepping into this, uh, this role. Um, you know, I've been with Pine Cove now 17 years. So, and haven't always been the CEO. And so, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy journey. My dad though, and their faithfulness together with my, my mom and how they've done it together has really been an inspiration. I mean, they are a team. What was the hardest part about being a PK for you? You know, the, the PKs get bad labels sometimes, and sometimes they get rightful labels. Yeah, and I've raised, I've no, raised I, two. So what was yeah. the hardest part for you? So you either, you're either going to fall on uh, the side that you're going to be compliant uh, or you're going to kind of, you know, the, the, everybody thinks of the PK as the rebellious one. Um, I, I felt like when I read scripture, even at a young age, it's funny, I was more of the compliant kid. Listen, if he can't manage his family, he can't manage the church. Well, that mm. means if I'm out there misbehaving, man, my dad could lose his job. That's right. So, uh, you know, in a sense, now, uh, my brother, Stephen, I don't know if he'll listen to this. He kind of saw that differently yeah. uh, or interpreted that differently. Uh, and we laugh about it today. And uh, but I would just say I was uh, I, I enjoyed uh, getting to know the people in the church, the older people. I've always been uh, more drawn to. I would say kind of an older soul, uh, kind of crowd. And I think I just, I was able to gain a lot of wisdom from some pretty neat, uh, men in the church that really poured into me as a young man. You know, in, in such a big part of your story too, was athletics. You, you, you were in the transfer portal before everybody knew there was a transfer portal. You went from Liberty, I think to Stephen F. Austin to Baylor. And so you got, you got a full college experience, man. I did. I don't know if you got any uh, money for that, but that's good. No, that's good movement. no, no money. I wasn't that good. I wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> what did what did athletics teach you that you use every day now? And you were a quarterback, correct? I was, yeah. So what um, did you learn doing that? That you go, man, I walk into meetings now. I walk into things now, and I still use what I learned then. Yeah, I, I would say from an athletic, well, there's a couple things. Um, you know, just showing up every day and, uh, there, there's no really shortcutting, you know, processes. Um, and so, um, you know, there's in athletics, um, the thing I probably pull away more from is just the influence the coaches have leaders have in your life. 
um, is what I more look at today. Man, it's it's so interesting to me the things that I recall from coaches and when they said them, mm. and you know, the power of that ten second conversation, uh, whether good or bad, in a sense. And so I've really taken that to what I do a lot now at Pine Cove. Uh, you know, I can remember Bob Leahy at Liberty University our offensive coordinator pulling me aside and saying, Reed, you have this ability to do this specific thing that is just really unique and anticipate things and throw in and all that kind of stuff. And just that moment was just such an encouragement Mm. to me to go, Hey, you have this ability. Like that meant so much, just an encouraging word that I've here. I am almost 50 years old and still haven't forgotten. You know, that meant a lot. And so even in the the trenches of summer camp, taking that type of deal just to walk alongside a young, young man or young woman and just say, hey, listen, I just saw you do this. That was incredible. Way to go. I I just don't want to undervalue the power of those moments because uh, there's been many times where staff have come back and said, man, do you remember when you told me this? And I'm like, have no idea. They're like, well, that actually kind of changed my whole direction of my life in this way or encouraged me to do this. And so just being available and not forgetting like these people need to be encouraged. Mm, That's really good. Yeah. You know, and I know you didn't go straight from college and you hit it. You didn't go straight to Pine Cove. You, you had some, you had some other business opportunities that you did. What did you learn in that season of, Mm your work, both, and I know you were down in Orlando for a while. What were, what were some of the lessons you learned in business that prepared you for the seat you sit in today? So, um, man, I, so I started off at Arthur Anderson for those old, uh, old timers. That was a, uh, big accounting firm, yeah. and, um, did some audit work for a year and a half discovered. I didn't really enjoy accounting, uh, but enjoyed the people <laughs> and learned a lot of the financial stuff. So that was a big help to me and what I do now, just to understand what a balance sheet is and income statement. Those kind of things are valuable just to have a basic understanding, uh, was never great at it, but had a broad, broad, uh, uh understanding of it. I, I would say, uh, then I got into a business called Eurotech actually through somebody at our church. They gave me an opportunity to start up a, a division of Eurotech, which is a urethane technology company in the state of Florida. And so I had the whole state of Florida. So I went out there at the age of 25 and basically started a market, wow. uh, looking up names in yellow pages, engineers calling on them. That's what we did. And so I did that in the whole state of Florida, learned how to get in my car and you know, drive five hours for a nine o'clock meeting, you know, that kind of stuff. And so uh, learning the hard work. I would say at Arthur Anderson and then uh, being a, a rep out there, developing relationships, developing a market was tough. I mean, it's the daily grind. And if you go back to sports, that's kind of the deal yeah. too. I mean, you got, you have to have uh, that, you know, Hey, listen, nobody's, nobody's watching you. Mm-hmm. Nobody's watching you, but are you going to run that extra, you know, sprint? Are you going to be ready? Are you going to get that next rep in? Uh, when nobody's watching so, so many, you know, athletes, the successful ones, they're just, they have that internal accountability because at, at some level, you know, we all want to have accountability with other people at some level. That's just really that between you and the Lord, you know, if you're cheating the system or not. And so I think I learned how to work um, in those, uh, in those environments 
uh, how to grind that grit that people like to talk about right now. Yeah, that's th- those are those settings where I learned it. And then, uh, yeah, so the business there in Florida did well. I had a chance to take on a partner, actually own a franchise of Eurotech out in Florida, took on ownership, developed it, really was out there a total of really close to eight years. Wow. Yeah. And so really had a 10 year career in what people would call the business world um, where I got some and, and even in that I got construction experience, sales experience and then the finance experience, which then the Lord really uh, my dad was speaking at Pine Cove and Mario Zanstra, the, the CEO of Pine Cove at the time said, hey, Reed, would you consider kind of like after one of my first or second experiences like you had this summer? Hey, would you consider uh, coming and starting up this region? Mm. for Pine Cove down near uh, south of Austin. And uh, at first, things were going so well with our business. I was like, I don't know, kind of enjoying the golf course. <laughs> uh, you know, what my dad, when I went into, when I said yes, my dad goes, now, you know, you're not going to be getting any distributions, you know, out of the company from Pine Cove. You know, and I was like, I know, but hey, listen, the other thing I learned from my family growing up is that the Lord provides. That's right. We didn't know a lot. I mean, starting up a church, you do not make much money, but yet we never lack for anything. Mm, mm. And so really learned there that, um, man, the Lord will provide. And so that that was cool. Uh, but anyway, so we, we ended up moving out to Columbus, Texas, a small town at 3,600, you know, from Orlando, Florida. Big difference, grew up in Houston. So here we are in a town of 3,600. And uh, just developed some unique uh, friendships out there. Uh, got to see all those skill sets that I had learned over the last ten years being put to use. I mean, talk about uh, you know rep, you know developing a product out in an area. Hey, you know when you're out there doing uh, development for a nonprofit, raising money, that you're developing relationships. I always love relationships. Yeah. I, I enjoy the people I'm with. Uh, authentically want to uh, hear what they're doing in their work, how I can connect or how I can help and really see uh, myself, uh, you know, in that relationship is you have to just be a good steward of those things that the Lord's put in front of you. And so that's always been fun. Um, It's sharpened me. Some of the best ideas are from those people that have been put into play at Pine Cove um, are from ideas that when I'm meeting with some business folks in the, uh, in the cities. So it's been really fun. But that kind of prepared me for Pine Cove is what I would say. Didn't know at the time, but. Well, you think about what would be different about you if you took the experience of starting Cryer Creek, if you had left business and went straight to the CEO chair, what would you not understand about what makes Pine Cove really tick that you learned when you were hucking it around town and you were shoveling and you were digging and you were having to go grab boxes and move them and get things set up the night before everybody arrived because you just got your CO. What would be different about you as a leader now if you hadn't have had that that beginning Cryer Creek experience? When you say shoveling things around, literally, um, I would be out there uh, digging uh, ditches for, uh, you know, sewer lines because we were in a place where we didn't have the, we, you know, uh, e- even with my construction experience, I knew how to run a level. I knew how to get out mm-hmm. there and get out mm-hmm. with the fellas. And I think one of the things that has benefited me most, I would say, is I really value what I would say everyone in the organization, no matter what they're doing, and I love them. 
some of my favorite people are the guys that are showing up every day, maintaining what we have. They're just, they love Jesus. They love it. And I think a lot of that came from even in the locker room, to be honest with you, being able to identify to not, you know, uh, with different types of people and relate to them is such an important ability these days because people are coming in from so many different walks of life. So being able to value everyone in the organization as a, the same is such a big thing. I heard you say, and I'd love to hear you talk about it a little bit more. You've got 2000 college staff. And I heard you say in another interview, we're counselor driven. I mean, we are, we're about those college kids, which everybody would think, well, you're about the family that comes to family camp, or you're about the, uh, the kids that go to the Springs why Why would you say you're counselor-driven, and what's the impact of that in how Pine Cove is set up? Yeah, I would say there's another phrase we use, and that is our staff is our program. Mm, that's good. You can have a lot of different things, activities to do, but people come back year after year for our staff. I mean, our staff are our program, and so we we value that a lot. I would say it's it's not one, the camper versus the staff probably aren't more important than the other. Our, our, our mission is uh, that we would inspire campers to walk intimately with Jesus and equip college staff to change the world. Both those things need to be happening. Inspire. So okay. And so what I would tell you is the thing that happens first is we need to find those college staff. The college staff serve, love these kids, love these families in an extraordinary way that inspires the families and the kids to go, you know what, that we give them hopefully through those college staff, a picture of what it looks like to live a life. That's not about you, which is kind of a big problem right now. And the joy that can be found in that. And when they see that it's inspiring. Mm. And uh, so, um, you know, I'll tell you this with our college staff, um, People, that is the one question I get. You know, we hired 2,100 college staff this last summer. They're like, how do you convince 2,100 college students that have internships they need? How do you convince them to come work at a camp where it's a lot, a lot of the times hot? Uh, one of the most difficult things they're going to do in their entire life, step into a cabin of seven to eight young people and try to lead that for a week, 24 seven, good luck, right? Where you're absolutely exhausted every week and you're doing it week after week after week. How do, why in the world would they come back? Um, I would tell you that Pine Cove is a little bit different than a lot of camps. We don't have a coffee shop for our staff to go hang out in. Um, we don't, we have really a walk alongside ministry. You know, if there's a if there's a ministry that's similar to on the field and coaching and walking alongside players, that's the way that we want to do discipleship and equipping. When when somebody's struggling, we want to walk alongside them, but we don't want to sit down. It's at, you know, we do sit down with them, but we want to point them to the word. Mm-hmm. We want to point mm-hmm. them to where they can find strength when they leave Pine Cove. And then the craziest thing is at the end of the summer or at the end of the half after they've worked, we sit down and we go through an evaluation with them. And we tell them, man, these are the things you killed it in. And these are the things that really you need to work on. Now, these are the best of the best that we're hiring. Nobody ever told them 
they need to work on certain things in their life. Parents, this was Reed Livesay coming out of high school where he was the quarterback, led worship, oh, the pastor's kid that everybody likes. Like, man, my experience at camp was exposing those areas, man, honestly, where I needed Jesus. Yep. And I think the value of the coaching and the evaluation our young people are desperately need, and yet parents and people are afraid to give it because they're afraid of losing them. But yet it's what keeps them coming back because they see the value in it, it and they grow. My son, my son, um, who would be the last person in a lot of ways you think would work at camp because he's kind of a quiet, he's quieter, more reserved, six five, just a lot of fun, but just more reserved. You think of camp kids is crazy. And it was cool to see him engage camp. And his comment to me after second summer, he's like, I just can't believe how much I grow when wow. I and and that's why they come back because they grow. And it's not because, you know, a lot of times we're concerned that they have a good time. Mm. But what these young people are craving is growth. And on the coaching front too, right? I mean, I can see that being something that coaches are almost would almost be afraid with this new generation of athletes to really tell them where they where they're not good at but truly they will appreciate it at the end of the day i saw it i in fact i made a whole we did i did a whole beginning of a sermon back in the summer at when i got back from there about the want to get to you know, yeah. I pulled, I pulled up and I, oh, yeah. listen, I pack like a woman. So I've got more stuff in my car. I had no idea what to bring. I had gone to the grocery store and bought tons of waters and I brought enough clothes that I could have been gone for weeks and they're all in my car. And I was just going to walk back and forth every day when I figured out I just never been before. So I didn't really know what I needed. And they unloaded that car, put it all away. And I said, you didn't have to do that. They said, no, I know we get to do it. And genuine, and I was week nine. So, I mean, we're tail end of the summer by the time oh, I yeah. got there, you know, as a, I think I was on the, uh, the, the newbies list and man, these guys, they crushed it. And, and seeing a 20 something walk around without their phone in front of them, you oh. know, and they said, no, we get them on the weekends. And I was like, how do you like that? And they said, it's fine. We love it. It's great. It's sort of nice. You, you, you see how much you miss in life when you got your phone in front of you and just sitting down having conversations with them at dinner, yeah. you guys, you, you, you not only hire the best, I think they all got better as every week went, you know, yeah. it, it's amazing. It really is amazing. And uh, what would you tell, what would you tell a leader in business? And they're, they're just hiring, trying to hire five 20 somethings. What would you tell them or encourage them about those that they're about to hire? Because we hear all the bad. What yeah. are some of the good things if they'll look for it, they'll see in them? Yeah, I just think like I go back to that, that they want to be invested in. Mm. Um, you know, I think they they want to be a part of community. They they want to they want to they want that. You know, it's kind of a weird spot right now because you're hiring and they're like, well, can I work out of my house? Can I do this? I think, you know, you, you want to create a culture where people want to be together. They mm -hmm. want to learn. This is the last two or three years where people have been kind of alone in a lot of ways or getting back. And I think the people that are willing to take that risk and sense of, hey, I want you to be around me because I want to grow you. I think that could be a great thing. The other thing I would just say to, to business 
I, I, I get to rub shoulders with a lot of families, obviously out of family camp. And I, I get dads that come up to me like, man, how do I, how do I get to do what you do? I mean, you just have so much purpose in what you do. And, and I almost want to come up with my own podcast. It's the grass isn't greener on the Yeah, other that's side. right. That's right. Listen, to think that I had any different opportunity when I ran a business that I have right now is just, it's not right. Mm. Listen, I have the same opportunity each day to do what I do and to encourage people, to sharpen people that every single one of the business guys out there has every single day. I truly believe that to the core. Um, you know, we have a we have a 160 full time staff. We have a lot of people, so a lot of my day is spent in the context of people. And, and you know, when you run businesses, you're and you're getting to certain levels. You're dealing with people most of the time. So you have the same opportunity every day, and I just think that's. Uh, something I want dads to recognize in their work is those things that we talked about earlier, the encouragement, mm -hmm. the, the sharpening where people really know you care because you're willing to take a risk and tell them, man, this is something I see that really, if you could, if you could work on this, man, it would really help you. They may not like it at first, but they're going to come back and they're going to go, thank you. Mm. Do it. I just needed to hear it. And those are the things that we have in the business world. Um, if I ever left Pine Cove, um, I wouldn't go, you know, the, the question wouldn't be what organization, are you going to stay in nonprofit or, or profit? I don't really see those two. I, I would just go, listen, I want to go work with some people I want to go work with. That's good. And whether business or whether that's in, in ministry, uh, that, that's the most important thing to me is who I get to do it with. So. How do you keep your why out in front? You know, I had John Gordon on a couple of years ago and John made a comment. He said, people don't burn out because of what they do. They burn out because they forget why they do what they do. How do you keep your why out in front every day? I mean, I'm talking to you right now and you're in Atlanta. You have to travel. You have to be gone. You, you know, life's not easy in any field. Life's not easy. How do you keep your why out in front? Well, I think I stay, I try to stay engaged with some young uh, college guys as well. Um, just, just because I feel like that's part of what we do and uh, I want to be engaged with it. Uh, when I get to talk with people on uh, in, in fundraising meetings with families, um, I get to hear their stories of what God's mm -hmm. doing. And so it's important to receive those and to thank the Lord for them. Um, but it, it's a hard thing to keep out in front of you. It's not easy. Um, it's not easy. The things that uh, kind of crowd the day tend to win most of the time. Mm -hmm. And so keeping the why out in front of you, we did a deal uh, two years ago. I think it was where we, we had a deal with our, our organization. What's your why? Uh, actually uh, just kind of came up with this thing where we got on a, a call for 10 minutes. I think it was, I can't remember if we did it uh, every morning at like nine o'clock, but we had a different person. Why are you here at Pine Cove? And wow. they shared for 10 minutes from our full-time staff, why they were here at Pine Cove. Maybe we did it three days a week and it was just awesome. Because um, as an organization, when we were going through the stuff over the last couple of years, we needed to be reminded of that's right. Why, why are we doing this? Yep. And why are we here? Cause I can't really remember. Yep. <laughs> It's so easy to forget because not yeah. only do you have the demands of life and other stuff that comes your way, but it's just the natural process of distractions 
It's just easy. I mean, and I'm full-time in ministry like your dad was. It's easy to forget doing what I do. I mean, you oh, just yeah. go, well, I got to do church next Sunday. Well, yeah, you got to do more than church next Sunday. You get to tell the greatest story. You know, it's that it's the distraction we all get into. I would love, so you do guys do such a great job with those college kids. And like you said, they're the best of the best. And I would agree with that. They're just stellar top shelf. My interactions with them were phenomenal. What's the difference in hiring? So you have 160 full-time staff. What's the difference in your thought of hiring a full-time staff from a college summer staff? How similar is what you're looking for and what might be different in what you're looking for? That's a great question. Um, I would say in the summer staff, um, we have a lot of structure. Mm. Um, and so when you bring some uh, summer staff in for six weeks, they can be an all-star summer staffer where the structure really helps them. Yep. For what we do outside of that, you need somebody that kind of almost doesn't need that much structure because they need to be a self-starter when it comes to recruiting college staff. See, they're out right now recruiting at 160, 180 different college universities. They have to take initiative to make calls to go, you know, we want them following up with these staff that worked, um, engaging them and then kind of going, Hey, who else on your campus needs to be here? And so, so I would say we've kind of had that conversation recently. And the biggest thing is you're counting for those people that need to be a little more structured. Mm -hmm. uh, and so not all of your crazy wild guy that was the best program guy up front isn't necessarily going to be your best full-time staff. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's a great answer. And I would totally agree with that. And I think that applies for all of us you know, as we're looking for that person who comes alongside of us, you, the self-starter in the world that we live in is so important. How do yeah. you, what, what's a trait of some, somebody that when you meet them, you go, I think this will, this is a great, even in an interview, what, what's something you're looking for a person to say that gives you the right trigger? Yeah. I bet there's, yeah. I bet there's some, something down their engine room that keeps them rolling. Um, gosh, that's a great question. Um, you know, really for me, I, I want to hear when I'm, when I'm talking with them, I want to hear some experiences or, or situations of, of, uh, maybe bringing some order to chaos. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think that's a big deal. Uh, and so, you know, asking for some moments where things were a little went astray and kind of what did you do? How did you do it? Because that shows the real ability to not just be part of it, but kind of lead it and then bring structure to it. See it. Um, yeah, that's, that's good. That's really good. You, you, I've heard you say in another interview, you're definitely more of a behind the scenes guy. You don't feel the need to have to always be up front, always have the mic in your hand. How do you do that? Because vision casting is so big to lead an organization that large. And you and I were talking about before we went on air. It's got to filter down. That vision's got to filter down. How do you lead doing vision casting without having to be Mr. 
Mr. Rah-Rah, charismatic, got to be the life of the party guy. How how have you I, found that to be true for you? I, I just feel like I'm I'm myself. So when we have a staff meeting or a staff retreat and I'm up there casting vision, we have a conversation just mm-hmm. like this. It's not a where I'm trying to convince you through my speech that you should follow me. You're going to sense the passion from within that are you are we in this together? Mm. And so I just let my natural communication style be be who I like. It's who I am. I can't I can't try to be somebody else. Um, and you know there was my predecessor Mario Zanstra. Uh, man, he was an incredible storyteller. And you know what? I'm not a good storyteller. Mm. Mm. You know who is my dad. He's another great storyteller. I need to be read. And because it's, it's believe it, it, they believe it because it's true. It's who I am. If I'm trying to get up there being something else, it's not going to be believable. And so that's worked for me. I have gotten more comfortable with being up front. And, And honestly, for Pine Cove, I would just tell you it's a unique organization. It's not about any one person. Uh, well, at one point Reed's going to leave this deal and I'm going to hand it off to somebody, another group of people or leadership team. And, and, uh, it's never been about one person, which makes it really unique and awesome at the same time. It's Mike, you, you've been to Pineco. Guess what? It's yep. as much yours as it is mine, bro. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that it's one of the coolest things I've learned. I would say over the last three years, you know, guys that are, have a tendency to step into leadership roles tend to be a little more controlling. Mm. Just be honest. Uh, There's some good things that come with that. And there's some things that are challenging no matter where we are, whether in the home or whether that's That's uh, in the organization. And, uh, and what I've learned, what I really had to come to grips with uh, through the challenging times of, of COVID and, potentially losing and handing back a lot of money to a lot of people that we really didn't have. Okay. Was that this is not my camp, my, like, listen, this is the people's. If we're not valuable enough for them to go, Hey, listen, we want to help you get through this. Then maybe we shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And to give that up was tough to give up control of that, man, it got real. And that was where the Lord just said, hey, listen, you know, I don't even want to say, do you trust me? Like, Reed, you need to give this up. And it was like a kind of one of those Jerry Maguire moments where in the middle of the night, I just kind of got up and said, you know what, Lord, this is, this is yours and this is theirs. And if Pine Cove doesn't exist after that, after this, that's okay. But how we're going to handle this situation is going to bring you glory. Mm. it's not going to be one that tries to manipulate it to try to get through. It's going to be one that's open and honest and real. And so, man, it was a scary moment to tell everybody if they wanted all their money back, they could have it. But this is the situation we're in and it's your decision. I mean, that's like, Oh my goodness. And and give everybody an idea. Cause I've got, I've got a follow-up question to this. Give everybody an idea of how many people that is, that you're making that offer to. This isn't like 20 kids who signed up to go to youth camp. 46,000. And so basically what had happened, Mike, in the history, like in Pine Cove is people pay for camp during the year. That's right. 
Okay. We spend that money getting ready for them to come to camp. So when the COVID hit in March and April, May, and things started shutting down, we had already spent that money to get ready for them, hiring staff all over, getting camps ready for them to be at camp. And then if they chose not to come, we said, hey, we're going to give you your money back, which we didn't really have. So we were looking at $15, $20 million of debt that we were going to have to go into to help families, which was the appropriate thing to do, which was the right thing to do. Did not feel comfortable. No. no. I uh, I think I understand why. I mean, but the Lord just said, you know, and and it was just this moment of it has never been more freeing now to know that I'm here to serve the families and the staff and the kids. This isn't for us to have great jobs. We're here for them. And we're going to be here proclaiming truth as long as the Lord lets us. But that's not going to be forever. So let's do it well. That's amazing, Reed. That that is a great, and I think every business leader, male and female, shudders at that thought because that's real. I mean, that's real life. That's real stuff. That's not in a book or a conference. That's what you live through. But also in that year, you guys got a call that was a game changer. Your your latest uh, physical camp, you got a call was, and and this is out of curiosity because I don't know the answer to this. Was the call you got from the Georgia Baptist prior to you making that decision about the money, or was it after you made that decision about the money, about giving it back? It was after. It was after. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Where we are now, what the Lord's doing, to come out of COVID looking at a $15 to $20 million debt, to coming out with a new camp completely paid for, Open, I, you just can't, you can't make it up. And uh, that's what we pray for, that the story would be something that we can't take any credit for. That's right. Well, it's so funny when, when that whole thing happens. So for those of, the, those of you guys that are outside the state of Georgia, there's a, there's a facility that's very well known in the state of Georgia, the Georgia Baptist Conference Center is what it was known as for years up in Tacoa, Georgia, that had fallen, you know, had just gotten, Georgia Baptist had gotten to the point they weren't going to be able to keep it open. They weren't keeping it open. Um, the hard part for me, and I shared this with your team, um, I had gone to camp there since I was in sixth grade. Wow. So every summer camp and since I've been in ministry, I had gone there the past 30 summers leading a camp there. Seven out of 10 of the most incredible my moments with God were at that camp. And so to pull back on there when we came up and visited, Todd, Todd took me up there. I mean, I almost shuddered because it's holy. I mean, that's holy ground for me. And, oh, yeah. you know, the Lord was able to speak to you because there was no cell service. So that was always a positive. And to watch what you guys have done with it and the investments you're making in it, it made me so proud to see where it's headed. So thank you for being faithful uh, with the what you did, because I believe that the Lord returned that faithfulness to you guys with stewarding that property. Well, thank you. I, uh, we kept the dome out there so that when people come back, they remember. Uh, we had to fight for that dome because everybody wanted to tear it down. I was like, people need, when they come back, that's such that's a unique feature. It, it they is. They remember the dome. We want their, The Lord has used this property for 80 years. We're going to keep it because it's going to be kind of that Ebenezer. Like, this is mm. when people come back. So I'm, it's just 
makes me glad to know that you uh, it was worth it keeping the dome. <laughs> yeah, man, it, it is a it was a beautiful thing to pull up and see. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of other beautiful things on that campus uh, other for, than the lake. So it did. Yeah, it definitely yeah. needed it. I, I called it. I always called it an old granny house. It just needs somebody yeah. to love on it. And you guys brought money. You were a young couple brought some money into it, yeah. and man, it's it's amazing, amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mike. All, all the glory to him, and that's uh, it's been a wonderful journey. Well, you've got such a unique story and your influence, you know, from just being a, a leader, but you, you, you and your wife, and you've got two kids in college. When you look back at your journey and one day you're going to hang up the CEO hat, you're going to be done with that. When your wife, your sweetheart from high school, right. uh, from Texas, and y'all have grown y'all have grown together now all these years, and your kids are now on a podcast telling a story to somebody about their dad or your wife's on talking about her husband. What do you want them to say about you? What would you say? Oh goodness. I wasn't expecting this question. Um I, I would hope that they would. Uh, I think this is what I appreciate most about my dad and that I hope that I'm always still learning and hopefully still open to the spirit changing areas in my life where I need to be changed and still being moved every day by the, by the gospel. I mean, that's the thing I respect most about my dad today is even at the age of 74, he's still being sanctified, sanctified. Like he's not there yet and yet still open to it and receptive. And I, I want to be that as well. Uh, I'm not a perfect leader, you know, and it, and it really frustrates me when I let people down, but I hope that I'm always uh, open and humble enough to receive it and to let the Holy Spirit work on my heart where it needs to be worked on. That's it. Powerful, wasn't it? Man, just to hear that story. We all get it. We all live through it. But to see that in the middle of our biggest storms, we can trust God and he's got better answers than we could even ask, dream, or imagine. Thank you so much, Reed, for sharing your story and for the leadership you're giving one of America's greatest camps. We are all blessed for it. So, so good. When our next episode, we get to sit down with head baseball coach at Ball State University, Coach Rich Maloney. Rich is one of the leaders in college baseball and is out there making a difference with just good, steady leadership. You are going to love my conversation with Rich Maloney. Truly one of my favorite people that I have the honor of knowing. And uh, you're going to see why. So thanks again for joining today. And thanks for all of you who listen every week, who share this episode, who share it, uh, just to even conversations with friends. It means the world. Well, I don't know what you got on your plate today, but go be the leader that God created you to be in the spaces and places he has put you. Have a great day, everybody. 
Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.